Hi, Becca here, and welcome to episode five of The Grandma Files, The Shorties. I'm not going to lie to you, there's no central idea to this one. What follows are the first few stories I collected at the outset of making this show. They're short and sweet, and they helped me realize a few matter-of-fact things about this topic of grandmas. Food is important. Age counts. And sometimes being young is extremely embarrassing. So, like, my last memory of her and my most vivid, it was maybe a few years before she had passed. She was staying at my house uh, in the basement, and I had opened the door to the bathroom. And to this day, I still think about it. It messed me up. I was looking at, like, a skeleton. She had her wig off, and my whole life, I hadn't known she wore a wig. (laughs) I ran away. I ran upstairs, and I was like, Mom, I saw Grandma without a wig, and her eyes were so sunken in. (laughs) And she was like, oh, yeah, she wears a wig. I think recently before that, I had seen The Mummy, the movie The Mummy with Brendan Fraser, She looked like the mummy. She's very tiny. Like, I'm five feet. She was maybe like 4'10". But also her frame was very small. Um, They used to call her Stuffed Irma and tease her when she was growing up. So she, I think ever since then, was very uh, picky with food. And like, she was just bones. Uh, She did have an eating disorder, and then she grew up, became a mother, and it wasn't a healthy view of food in that household. And I can't blame my mom because that's how she was raised. You know Hostess. Okay, so there's a rival company, Drake's, and they have... It kind of looks like a Twinkie, but it's like cake, cream, cake. And it's chocolate cake with like thick vanilla cream. We would get two of them and have them for dessert. And then like all of a sudden I got my period and it became a treat to get these little devil dogs instead of like they used to be provided to us all the time. And my mom had me go to a nutritionist. And then then I would lie to the nutritionist and be like, oh, I'm totally eating my half a 50-calorie sandwich and a 100-calorie bag of nuts for lunch that my mom's giving me. Not, (laughs) like, I would, like, throw it away or give it to someone. And then I would get, like, 
school pizza because that was better to me than the 50 calorie sandwich. So it definitely trickles down. Yeah. My sister and I are still figuring out how to have a healthy relationship with food, but we're on the road to recovery. At least you're not wearing a wig yet. I was thinking about it, actually. Really? (laughs) But it has to be different color and different style. Her wig looked like light brown hair parted right down the middle to her shoulders and it like flared out. And there were also thick bangs. (laughs) And it was very clearly a wig now that I think about it. This is like high school you, right? Yes. Not to push back, but like you didn't think it was weird that her hair wasn't gray. I didn't ask questions. <laughs> I I mean, I really didn't see her often. And if it was my other grandma, I would notice she always, every two weeks, would get her coloring done. But I just didn't notice anything with uh, wig grandma. <laughs> We didn't have that closer relationship. You want to apologize to Irma on tape? Sure. Well, if I did have to revisit the incident, instead of freaking out, I would just be like, oh, Grandma, you look so beautiful without your wig. All of my memories of her, she has that wig on. And... You should be told that you're beautiful no matter what. She shouldn't have to wear a wig. Hey, I hope I never have to wear a wig. So you grew up in Mechanicville. Did you like growing up in a small town? No. No? Why not? Because there was nothing there. We had the railroad tracks on one end of us and the paper mill on the other end. So you know what the atmosphere was there. What was it like? Well, it was, you got the smoke, so you didn't have a lot of fresh air. See, I I didn't have a lot of friends because I worked when the other kids were playing. How come you had to work so much? Because there was no money. No money. We got money from wherever we could. Oh, well, I gotta tell you the first part of it, the way it started. I was very tall for my age. So when I went to work in the diner, they thought I was older than I was. So I didn't get thrown out. And I looked like I was. 12 or 13, but I was only 10. 
So you told me a story once about you were waiting tables and somebody left a lot of oh, money behind. $60. <laughs> that was a lot and of money never, back then, right? I never came back for it. So I got the $60. And I took that $60 and went to New York and shared an apartment with a friend from from this area. And that was my first escape. <laughs> and what was that like? It was like wonderful because we were good friends and it was a nice area. And if I walked like two blocks of this area, there was a huge pond. And then across the road, get ready, was a boys' school. <laughs> you know, coming from here, we were so naive. We'd be in our window and they'd be in their window. And we just flirt across, but we were scared to death. <laughs> really, you know. I took a lot of chances for someone from Mechanicville. So my name is Caroline Mary Joan. Do you know that my confirmation name is Joan? Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know it. It is Joan Cod, and I am 25 years old. And this is my mama. I am Mary Joan Root. I am 90, 92, I think. Almost eight days. Hello, Inotica Maria, can I help you? We have an Italian grandma, she's from Naples, and we have a Trinidad, she's from Trinidad and Tobago. But actually, we have no room at 8 o'clock or 6 o'clock, we have at 4 o'clock. Uh, we're located at 27 Hyatt Street, which is uh, in Staten Island. It's about a five minute walk from the ferry. Eggplant with the rice and the beef. Um, Enoteca Maria is uh, it's kind of a restaurant, but uh, it's more of a platform that, uh, that we create for grandmothers to come in and to be able to cook uh, in a restaurant. We have one kitchen that's always staffed by an Italian Nona. Her name is uh, Adelina, but we have other Italian Nonas that cook here as well. Uh, and the other kitchen changes every day. So today it's Trinidad, uh, yesterday it was Peru, uh, next week we have uh, Seoul, Korea, uh, we have ladies from all over the world. And why is that the mission? Originally it was all about Italian grandmothers because I lost mine and I was just trying to hold on to that memory and that feeling that you had when your grandmother's in the kitchen cooking. And she was, she lived to be 100 years old. I lost her about 20 years ago, so I had her into my adult life. She was the sweetest, kindest woman. Her name was Domenica. What do you think it is about grandmas as chefs that 
takes the food to a different level. Can you sort of describe how the food is different here because of them? I think that, uh, uh, in my opinion, that's the source. So you have many, many great chefs out there that do amazing jobs, but all of those recipes come from these women. So uh, if you want to know what a particular dish from Trinidad uh, tastes like, you should have a grandmother from Trinidad make it for okay. you. I need some onions, peppers, and scallions cut up for that, because I'm going to use a little bit more for here. So I need onions, peppers, and scallions. Well, right now we're cleaning the chicken because we're going to make some curry chicken with um, potato and chana. And then we're going to have some stew oxtail with peas and rice, potato salad, carriage and carrots, and uh, sweet plantains. This food is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it's very filling and a lot of flavor. I do try to cut down a little bit on the spice, but... <laughs> You, can, you see what I mean about spices? I almost feel like we should have on a little hazmat suit kind of thing. It is colorful, but that's the whole beauty about cooking. And I think that you'll find from the islands is that it has a lot of color to the food in general. My mother would make mostly Things like kingfish and dumplings with provisions and have this like codfish red sauce all over everything. And I would always just watch her putter around and make all these things, my aunts. And when everybody gets together, it's like this huge feast. If, if regular Sunday dinners are not big enough, the holidays are probably like three times that. And not only are you cooking for everyone to eat, you're also cooking for everyone to take some home for a couple of days. So you have to do everything times three. It's, 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 it's madness, it's all madness. <laughs> Alfida, I'm gonna need some potatoes cut up. Yeah, I have two granddaughters, Anna and Maya. Ooh, they're adventurous, very happy people. One likes to flip around, the other one likes to run. <laughs> but I started introducing Anna was born first Anna is seven years no sorry she's eight years old now and I introduced her into the kitchen at eight months old so she would help me base a ham you know I would hold her hand and let her help with the sauce because there's not much but now everybody can grate cheese and help knead dough and Grandma, I want to do the dough. I want to do the dough. And so that's what they tell me. I want to do the dough. So every time I see them, we're doing something with dough. I don't know why. <laughs> and we've all gravitated to wanting to cook. It was something I wanted to, for them to have as well. Not only that, it doesn't hurt to be an independent girl to be able to make your own food. But um, this, is, this is what they've come from. You want any more? Um, no, I don't need any more. Thanks. You don't need more? No, you can just keep... A lot of the cooking is very intricate. You got to really keep your mind on what it is that you're doing. You don't want to over-season, but you don't want to under-season either. Always remember, it's like any chef. You can always add. You can't take out. So once it's in, it's in. Like I'm standing here and I'm talking to you, but I'm also very aware of, of what I'm putting in my pot. I just put in paprika and some seasoned salt. And I'm going to use some black pepper that 
those oxtails take a, a much longer. They take about two to three hours to cook. But the, the, the hardest part is really seasoning it. Now I make something called green seasoning. And if you smell that, you'll see what I'm saying. That's, and this one is very spicy. They made with everything fresh. There's something we call Shadow Benny. And Shadow Benny basically is a version of, well, it's, it's like cilantro. Um, you have parsley, garlic, scotch bonnet, pimento. You don't really add a lot of water. You're very condensed so that we can have that. And that lasts for a very long time in the fridge. And we use it for a variety of dishes. So you see? Now you got that caramelized on there. Trial and error. Don't be scared to fail. Because I, um, I failed at baking homemade bread a lot at 14. But I mastered it by the time I was 16. That's the difference. So don't be scared to fail. Um, tricks. I don't know if I really have any tricks. Maybe I have the illusion that I do this with ease. <laughs> because this is not easy. <laughs> but um, it's so funny because one of the things that I think why I also started cooking more often was because I was trying to figure out what could I leave my children. So I, you know, when you're a mom, you're just like, okay, what, what legacy could I, you know? And I was like, okay, I was a poor mother. So I, I kept thinking, what could I do? And seriously, I just looked down and I'm like, okay, you can cook, you have hands. And it really was like an epiphany from God. And what I put together before all the books and the scientists will tell you the sense of smell will automatically take you directly back to a memory. And the memory that I wanted to have for my children, Kaya and Charles, was my mother's cooking. Or if I wasn't in the world anymore and they remembered a smell, it would bring them back to Christmas, to uh, Easter, to coming home from school, running off the elevator in their uniforms and going, oh, that comes, that's coming from my house. I know my mother's, that is her food cooking. Finish, when you finish that, I need you to, yeah, we can cut those up and put them on the side and get rid of that. And then we'll work on the peas and rice. And they can say, well, my grandmother taught me, I'm going to teach you, and then their children. And it's just a, the lineage it just keeps going with the same food. And, and then as they, time evolves, they will incorporate their new ideas. And who knows what heights they'll take it to next. I, I don't know, you know. What do you think the kind of food that you make says? Welcome. Welcome on, come on in and get yourself something to eat. Let's sit down at the table. Let's have our conversations, let's laugh, let's cry. Whatever we need to do, let's do it over a good plate of food. You know what I mean? It's, it's really heartwarming. My late grandma Doris was no chef. According to most of her children, she had a palate as bland as butter, unsalted. And speaking of that, she condemned the act of salting and peppering a meal before tasting it. Which I actually get conceptually. Be careful, don't ruin something you just made. 
but also, I'm a big fan of spicy, flavorful food. If anything, I'm sort of an over-seasoner. My nightmare is under-salting, under-peppering, and wasting my valuable stomach space on something that leaves no impression. When I think of my grandma Doris, I think of things like oatmeal, mac and cheese, cereal, and Cracker Barrel. But I don't bring up her taste to draw a line between us, like I'm this, she's that. I bring it up because the woman was a contradiction. She was tentative with food, but not with her life. She not only took risks, she took risks constantly, at a steady pace of about 10 to 15 miles over the speed limit on the open road, because she was, and I hope I'm not bastardizing the term, addicted to driving. Her identity wasn't in the kitchen, it was in the car, the driver's seat. I need to get a level on your voice. Okay. So, you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Or say who you are in relation to me? I am Becky DiGregorio. I am Becca's mom (laughs) and Doris's daughter. What kind of driver was she? You never told me that. (laughs) Was she a good driver? I know she drove a lot, but... She was a good driver, but she was way too relaxed. What do you um, mean? <laughs> she she did things while she was driving, probably short of crocheting because she needed both <laughs> hands for that. She was like into Danielle Steele novels. I still remember that. Oh, like the romance novels? Mm-hmm. 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 And she would read one while she was driving. <laughs> like the print copy? Yes. <laughs> she put it in the steering column and... One time, now she was like 80 at the time, she was driving home from Florida. And I think she was like in Georgia on 95 or something, you know, with the cruise control set. Mm -hmm. And she got pulled over. I said, what were you doing? She said, I don't know. I think I was doing about 80 in a 55. And we always joke because we say, she said, and she didn't really say this, but She could have said to the officer, I'm sorry, officer, I didn't see the speedometer because this book was in my way. (laughs) So, yeah, she lived on the edge when it came to, like, multitasking in the car. Mm -hmm. What other things would she do? Um, Usually writing something. You know, she had always had a write and drive? Well, like a little tablet, you know, and she'd write down, oh, I want to remember this route. And she'd write it down because, I mean, when the the whole GPS thing came out, she just was not having it. You use a map. That's what you use to get Mm -hmm. someplace. Mm -hmm. So she would write down landmarks and things about, like, where she wanted to go. And she was was always busy while she was driving. You know, like, she just never thought anything was ever going to happen to her. Um. So, but yeah, she was a good driver. Yeah.
This episode of The Grandma Files was produced by me, Becca DiGregorio. Talia Cowan helped me record at Enoteca Maria on Staten Island, where Pauline graciously let me into her kitchen. Thank you so much for that. Thanks to my pal Emma, Grandma Irma and her wig, and thank you to Caroline and Mama Joan. Thanks also to my mom. If you want to hear more from her and the rest of my Grandma Doris's kids, be sure to catch the last episode. Music for this episode was made by Nick Pennington and Steve Friedman, and Susan Coyne made the show graphic. Thanks for listening. Thank you.